Welcome to Global Atlantic's Multicultural Podcast Series. I'm your host, Dan Corcoran. Global Atlantic is a leading retirement and life insurance company that creates innovative products to help meet your clients' financial goals. The Asian American population of the United States is rapidly growing, projected to grow from 22 million today to over 46 million in 2060. Made up of a diverse swath of cultures, first in multi-generational demographics, it's also highly influential. Several subgroups, notably Indians and Filipinos, have annual household incomes far higher than most other Americans. The Asian population is more highly educated, more likely than other groups to be employed in the coveted STEM jobs, more heavily represented among patent holders, and more likely to own homes than other racial groups. At the same time, Asian Americans are not well represented by financial professionals. And observers note that while Asian Americans are inclined to save money through such instruments as IRAs and 401ks, there's a general lack of understanding about the stock market and investing. Much like we did in our previous episode on the Latino market, in this podcast, we'll dig deeper into the Asian American population to help financial professionals communicate with this group and all of its subsets while offering some practical ways to help them achieve their goals. Joining us for this discussion is Fred Huang, a managing director of Forest Hills Financial Group in New York. Fred, welcome to you. Thank you. My great pleasure to be here. And I'd also like to welcome back Joey, Senior Advanced Markets Analyst at Global Atlantic. Good to have you back with us, Joey. Thanks for having me again, Dan. And Fred, I'd like to start with you. What are some of the first things financial professionals should really understand about the Asian American market in the U.S.? Paint us a picture. Asian American segment is the fastest growing segment, not only in terms of the population, but also the purchasing power as well. And to me, I think Asian American is more like a social political concept rather than a socioeconomic concept or business concept because Asian Americans are basically comprised of Japanese, Chinese, or Vietnamese, Filipinos. They each represent different cultures, different languages, and some nuances in terms of their philosophies or values, and also political systems in which they used to live. So if you look at that, especially from a business perspective, you really need to dig deeper into this Asian American segment, which country they are particularly from, and also not only the culture, political system, but also the history of immigration. So while I was working at the advertising agency, you know, we, we have this interesting segmentation that for the first generation, we divide them into a one, a 1.5 or two. So for Americans, basically they're all Asian Americans. But then if you look further, one are those we call immigrants through families and 1.5 are those who come here and study and stay here and work as professionals. Why? Because professionals, basically, they are less language dependent, but they are still culturally dependent. And that's very important because those are the special segments that they usually are relatively dependent and they assimilate far easier than the ones. But the twos are basically probably the second generation. But again, because they grew up in the Asian culture or in an Asian family where they still they inherit some of the Asian heritage or learn something from their parents. So they're very unique. So in the eyes of Asian American parents, 
they are Americans, but then, you know, in the eyes of the mainstream Americans, oh, you're, you're Asian American, sort of different. That's very important. So I think my, my experience is we need to understand the history, the immigrants and the political system as well. And we need to understand they come from different cultures as well. For example, the Chinese from mainland China probably have more difficulty assimilating into the American system because mainland China operates as a socialist country versus, you know, Taiwan, Korea, Japan, or even Hong Kong. They operate pretty much like a a Western system, a capitalist system. So they assimilate far better than the mainland Chinese. So that's basically what I want to share with our audience, that especially the financial professionals, that they need to understand the differences between each Asian American segments, as well as the past history, the political system, and the cultures. It's so important to talk about the differences and the history, but what sorts of financial instruments are Asian Americans likely to use to protect their assets? I'm talking big picture here. So Joey, how can financial professionals help to facilitate this practice for their clients? Thanks, Dan. I totally agree with what Fred is saying. Asian Americans' financial experience, a lot of time, it's very much influenced in almost every aspect by the importance of family. Also, it depends on generation. I like how Brad gave examples of each generation because each generation, they all have a very different historical background. So they will have a very different perspective or method in financial planning. So when it comes to savings, so for example, those born between 50s and 60s or 70s, like my parents, they believe cash is king. They will save as much as they can in their entire life. So some of them, they will diversify a small portions of their savings into cities, property, and stock investments. But cash is always the first thing they will go with because back in the home country, in a lot of Asia countries, the financial instrument is not as much as compared to the U.S. financial system. So what they can really believe is to holding the cash in the bank account. You know, in Chinese, traditional Chinese, you know, have a saying that to have a good life, you need to cover your okay? In Chinese means clothing, eating, housing, and moving. Moving basically is travel or transportation. And there's nothing about like a financial management or system like that, right? So all they do is to save, you know, in a bank. That, that's all I understand. So here, when they came, first came to the United States, there are so many financial instruments, okay, so many aspects about uh, managing their finances, including loans, car loans, mortgages. To be honest with you, I didn't even understand what a mortgage means because that's in our language, you know, it's just a loan is a loan, but a mortgage is, is totally different word, vocabulary. Then there's credit cards and there's debit card. <laughs> Bonds and then municipal bonds, government bonds, corporate bonds. It's just so confusing. There are so many items. The United States, we all know that is probably one of the most advanced countries where financial system is very mature, where you have a variety of mature financial instruments or products to meet a diverse range of needs. But back in Asia, for many first-generation immigrants, when you talk about financial instruments, what they think is probably just a bank savings. And they open a checking account and then they have a CD where they put a deposit and that's it. But compared to the second, third, or younger generations, they get access to more information and resources. They start looking at a very different financial instruments that making them have a high expectations of the tools that they use to accumulate their wealth. 
So what financial professional can really do is always create credibility with their clients and build trust with the elder generation, especially the baby boomers, which the first generations who just moved to the United States who are not really familiar with the financial systems in the U.S. as they're not as tax savvy as compared to the younger group. A conversation blueprint is always so important to show the clients step by step in planning for the financial instruments they need in their entire life. And Fred, you touched upon this earlier, talking about saving. Saving is certainly ingrained in the Asian American population. So can you talk about why that is? Well, I think historically, back in Asia, most countries are less developed as in the West. A lot of people in Asia uh, have experienced hardships, and they sort of have a feeling that they need to save for the future, all right? It is also rooted in Asian American culture that they always want their next generation to be better than themselves. So they like to create a better future. They have such high tolerance of hardship because there's hope that the next generation, their children or grandchildren are doing better which is another reason why there are so many Asian immigrants who wanted to build their American dream here with such an open opportunity system where they can you know, work hard and hopefully their children can do far better than themselves. So that's why saving comes first from this culture of for the future, next generation. And the second is because of those difficult times or experiences, and they know how important saving is to give them leverage in their lives. And Asian Americans also have a very high rate of home ownership. So Fred, in what areas of investment are there some knowledge gaps that we can talk about, such as the stock market and other forms of investment that you believe financial professionals could actually help with? If you live in America, you've never traveled overseas or never traveled in other parts of the world, you probably take it for granted that you can live you know, such a big house in America because you only have 300, 340 million people. But if you go to just China alone, that's a 1.4. If we go to India, that's a 1.4 billion people. So owning a piece of land, owning your own house is like a dream come true. It's a property as well. It's an investment as well. So that's why Asians are so much into owning their own property. When they come to the United States, as compared to a piece of land or, or a home, it's so much cheaper and more affordable because of the financial system. They can take a loan as long as they have income or, or job. This whole thing comes together. So the financial system is just built in such a way that owning a property or a home is so easy as long as you work hard and you can put down the income. And also, you may. I think many of us have noticed that Asian Americans usually are able to put down a much higher down payment. Uh, and some of them even buy home uh, with cash, which leads to another interesting culture for the Asian Americans. They don't want to own a lot of debt. A debt is something that can make them feel unsafe. So they love to put down a much higher percentage of down payment or just paying cash. And Joey, what do you believe are some of the gaps that financial professionals could actually help fill? What can they do? This is one of the cultural nuances in which we believe home ownership signifies security and stability for family. Also, we strongly believe that it is a generational 
investment, which is a safe and lasting asset to pass down for the generation, which is very important. But the problem here, especially when we look into the new immigrant clients, many of them aren't familiar with how complex the problem taxes are when it comes to the estate planning. And they need a strategy and a financial instrument to fill in the gap. And here's where the financial professional can step in. So how can a financial professional help their client is we always encourage our partners, our financial professional to help their client to look for the instruments with double or triple duty. It means one single product, but it comes with a different writers that can support uh, the client in different stage of their life. We start with the lifestyle, which they need a steady, steady spending ability in daily life. And they need the liquidity, which is the money they reserve for unexpected longevity, which is the functions such as the long-term care features that they can find in a lot of annuity products and the legacy, which is the enhanced debt benefit features, which is that will help them to have the ability to passing the asset to the next generation. We call this the four else planning. Also, the most important part is providing them with a strategy for managing their wealth with tax deferred features, especially when you need to deal with the complex tax. And there was a topic that came up in an earlier episode that you brought up, Joey, that I think is worth revisiting in this conversation. That was about life expectancy and how that's a factor in saving. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, sure. We actually found the research saying that, which is a fun fact. The Asian American population say has the highest life expectancy, which is 85.6 years, seven years over the generation populations based on the United States life table. So among all the ethnic cities, they have the highest life expectancy. And then we talk about the risk of living too long that refers to the potentials that a person might outlive their saving. Such an important part of the greater conversation. So let's move on now to talk about annuity products. Fred, first to you, what place does the annuity product have in the Asian American market and why? Annuity is a very unique financial product where it has both investment savings components as well as an insurance component. This is a product that can enjoy some tax advantages and it also has the benefit of providing a lifetime income. So there are so many features and benefits with regard to this particular financial product, but it's so complex as well. I think the questions I have from many of my clients and the prospects are, gosh, I, you know, they complain to me, okay, this is too complicated or it's too expensive, or I don't know what it is because it looks like everybody explained it in a different way. So that's where we really need to spent more time providing training sessions, workshops, or seminars, and make it simple to understand, right, as a financial product, especially in the lifetime income portion, because that's probably the only insurance product or a financial product that would provide a lifetime income, very much like a pension, very much like a social security benefit, you know, social security income as well. I mean, that would be easily understood. So for many immigrants from China, the first generation immigrants from China, a lot of them used to work for the government. So when they retire, they get a lifetime sort of retirement income from the government. So that's something we use as reference. Hey, you know, this is something that you can use as a lifetime income. You're never going to run out of the money. So they understand the concept. 
And then as to the details, how they're going to use it, whether the money is going to be in an investment or is going to be just a fixed rate of return, that's the easier part. And so much of this conversation has been just about understanding and how important that is. So what specific information needs do Asian Americans have that financial professionals can help with when it comes to their 401k, life insurance, equities, bonds, and even new business formation? Fred, what do you think? Well, we just have to produce some what we call in-language material. I read a stat for adult Asian Americans, probably more than 70% are foreign-born, which means they are probably more comfortable reading materials in their own language. So that's going to help a lot because in Asian culture, usually they don't want to say no, they don't want to expressly complain. When they are approached by a financial professional, and the first thing they're going to say is not to make an appointment with you. The first thing they're going to say is, hey, send me some information. Now, if you send them all the material in English and they probably don't even bother to read it. So if you just send them one piece of you know, information that's in Chinese or Korean, they're going to read it. Number one, they probably will be amazed. Oh, you know, you're, you're talking to me specifically. So that's very important. I think the companies should also be very active and present in community events or cultural festivals so that they know, oh, who is that guy? You know, he doesn't look like us, but I see him very often. Could be a corporate executive. It could be a local political figure, whatever. So they know that you're concerned about me, about our community. And over time, that's going to create a goodwill, a positive image about your company. And then, of course, would bridge the gap between the communication of your target audience and, and with the, the company who provide those products and services. And Joe, when you hear Fred talking about the differences and obstacles that are out there, what obstacles do you believe Asian Americans may face in getting their voices actually heard and in feeling more represented by financial professionals? I think the first thing that comes to my mind is, again, go back to what we discussed earlier. Asian Americans are very diverse. They come from a very different historical background. Each we've got different own immigrant stories. We all have so much in common. So I'm Chinese from Malaysia. Sometimes people thought I'm Korean. They thought I'm Japanese. They thought I'm Chinese from China. So people start confused. What is my background and where I grew up with? So we have so much in common, yet we are different in the culture, the country of origins, or the language that we speak. So many financial professionals, they are fear of offending. They worry if they say something wrong that might offend their customers. And also because of not knowing how to build a relationship with this segment of clients, they walk away from this business. And secondly, even though the Asian American population is growing rapidly, the percentage is still smaller as compared to other ethnic cities. So our voice has been treated as minor as the needs are not seen by the society. Also because of that, the industry has misconceptions about our needs with like how they should pass a message to the Asian American, thinking we are the same as the majority, bringing the products and brand that not fit to the culture and not able to catch our attention. That's why we are here today to let the Asian American community know that we understand one size doesn't fit all and we are here to hear your voice, support your business growth and provide you the financial solutions and strategies that you can bring to your customers and create a more effective conversation. And Fred, you're right. Those initial connections, those first communications are so important to how a relationship is going to develop. So talk a little bit more about that. 
How have you cultivated and maintained a client base in this particular market? Understand their values is very important. Understand the history of immigration is very important. Understand what particular segment of Asian American, where they're coming from. They're coming from Hong Kong, Southeast Asia, Taiwan, men in China. That all makes a difference because you have to understand also there are communication styles. Many Americans don't realize that in Asian culture, collectivism is more like something they value. They, they don't want to be too different. They want to be among a group or want to be recognized socially. They don't want to do something that's you know too far-fetched and they want to be hey, what everyone else is doing, right? So, I mean, to introduce a financial product, you would say, oh, many people like you are doing this. For example, who is who? And then that will be uh, very powerful rather than, you know, in American culture, okay, this is my choice. I do it. I don't care about uh, others. So that's very different because again, American culture is more individualistic and entrepreneurial kind of culture. And that comes to their communication styles. So Asian Americans in general, they're more like high contact communication, more indirect where you're going to find them hard to say no. If you approach them, they're going to use, I will think about it and I will call you. Or I would check with my wife, or I would check with my friends, my parents. So all those are actually rejections. But it really does, you know, because they want to save face, they don't want to be wrong, and they want to leave room. So these are very important things that uh, financial professionals should pay attention to, and I should also understand. And you got to be extremely patient. You don't push, you don't be too direct. You know, when I first entered the industry, I remember during the training class, we were trained to use the language like, what would happen to you if you pass away? What would happen to your children? I mean, in American culture, it's okay. But in Asian culture, probably they don't like it. It is something very bad mentioning, you know, about death, right? So that's why, you know, cash value life insurance, for example, is so attractive because you can focus on talking about savings. You can talk about having it permanent, you own it, and you can use the cash value for whatever purpose. That's very different. Even though in American culture, okay, life insurance is life insurance. So more mainstream Americans probably buy term insurance versus Asian Americans, they buy cash value life insurance. I mean, that's an example. So coming back to the point that learning their culture, learning their communication style, learning also their behavior, like they don't trust strangers a lot. They like to seek opinions of community leaders or families or their parents. Those are very important. And finally, Joe, before we go, just to reiterate what the main purpose of these conversations is, it's to help financial professionals better communicate with these markets and also help those clients achieve their goals. What are some last minute thoughts you want to offer our audiences? When I talk to a lot of financial professionals who are not Asian Americans, the first reaction when I talk to them about the multicultural markets, they're always fear of offending. This is what I mentioned, they were like offended. They, they, they were like, if I greet someone, for example, we are going to give a gift, a gift giving during the Lunar New Year, but he or she doesn't look like a Chinese and they're from Philippines. Are they celebrating Lunar New Year? Like something like that. They have their kind of confusions within their mind and they're not sure whether they should give the gift to the client. And that push them away from the business. So what I really want to tell the financial professional is we always need to think about how the customer experience 
no worries about offending this group of people. Again, always seek first to understand before we understood. Before we pretend that we know what they really need, it's always very easy to create a trust and build credibility with them by asking them questions. Ask before you tell. Ask what you really want to know and avoid being too product-oriented and instead focusing on explaining to them the general idea behind why you are approaching them and go to the community and talk to the group of people to understand the awareness, the sentiments, the barriers that they're facing and what their motives. And most importantly, always be interested before interesting. You need to be curious, learning what people really want before you can provide them something. That's such great advice for many aspects of life. So Fred, what do you want the financial professionals who are listening right now to take away from this conversation? I think not only a financial professional should look at the purchasing power of this market, but also to be curious about what drives the connection, what drives the trust, what drives the long-term relationship between you and the Asian Americans, and to really understand the nuances in terms of each segment of Asian Americans. Again, I want to point out that it's not a overnight thing. It's really a long time commitment. It does take time. And I think we all have a lot to think about after hearing from both of you today. Fred, Joey, thanks so much for offering your expertise to us. Thank you so much for having us. I'm glad to be here to sharing uh, some of my experiences and my insight. I hope they're helpful. Thank you, Fred. This is awesome. And for our listeners, there are many more resources available for you to access on globalatlantic.com forward slash professionals. And if you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe to Your Thriving Practice on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts so you can keep up with our latest episodes. Until then, I'm Dan Corcoran. Thanks so much for listening. The opinions, beliefs, and viewpoints expressed by the guests on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions, beliefs, and viewpoints of Global Atlantic Financial Group. Global Atlantic Financial Group, Global Atlantic, is the marketing name for the Global Atlantic Financial Group, LLC, and its subsidiaries, including Forethought Life Insurance Company and Accordia Life and Annuity Company. Each subsidiary is responsible for its own financial and contractual obligations. These subsidiaries are not authorized to do business in New York.